every single day you got to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And that, if that might just be just picking a phone up and speaking to a prospective customer, or it might be speaking to an investor and, you know, giving some hard news. It might be, you know, letting a member of staff go or something. You have to do these tough things on the in the journey. And, um, and, and you, unless you're doing this on a day-to-day basis, you're not moving forward. Hello and welcome to UmiCast, a podcast about business and entrepreneurship. At UMI, we make it easier for businesses to do more and go further by finding and packaging the best information, expertise in finance so you can make better business decisions more quickly. This conversation is with the boss of a company that is at the forefront of the electric vehicle revolution that is sweeping across the UK right now. Dan Martin is the founder and CEO of Elmtronics, which is a leading supplier and installer of smart electric vehicle charging equipment, uh, working with a number of public and private sector organizations to help them reduce their emissions and become more sustainable. Uh, It's an exciting time for Elmtronics as well because the company has actually just been acquired by Mer, which is owned by Europe's largest renewable energy producer, Statcraft. Um, so that's really exciting. Dan and the team have also recently signed an agreement with Octopus Energy uh, to support their push into the electric vehicle space. So when I spoke to him, it was fair to say he'd been through an incredibly busy period. Uh, in this conversation, Dan and I speak about his humble and often punishing beginnings in the world of business when he saw many of his earlier ventures fail Uh, and what it took for him to move past some of those bumps in the road and become the incredibly successful CEO that he is today. We also talk about Dan's views on some of the major talking points around EV adoption and how quickly the automotive industry can respond to to the soaring demand for electric vehicles, um, as well as what the future holds for motorists entering this kind of low-carbon transport revolution. So this is a conversation for anyone who is struggling with their business, who maybe needs a little bit of reassurance that they're doing the right things and they're on the right path. So without further delay, here is a big dose of inspiration with Dan Martin. Uh, Well, welcome to the podcast, Dan, and uh, thanks so much for fitting us in as well during what sounds like has been a, a really busy an exciting time for, for you and for the company. So, um, yeah, how have how have things sort of been over the last few weeks and months for you? Yes, uh, yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, Richard, uh, yeah, it's it's been absolutely crazy, I'll be honest. Uh, this last, certainly this last few months has been very, very busy, quite intense as well. Um, you know, and, and certainly something I haven't, been before through in the before in the past um so it's a unique experience for for me and the team um and and yeah it's just a bit crazy to be honest but it's all good it's all good yeah but a sign that you guys are obviously you know doing the doing the right thing and um now obviously we we've spoken before dan as as well so we have i know i know it i know it hasn't always been sort of uh big deals with 
you know, European renewable energy giants and all of that sort of stuff, has it? So um, I think no. if if just to start us off a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. can you just maybe talk a little bit about your background um, yeah, and, sure. you know, when you first realised that you wanted to kind of start your own business or you, you had that sort of business mindset? Because it was quite a young age, wasn't it, really? It, it was, to be honest. So I was a, a time-served electrician working for a local contractor. And uh, every, all the all the lads will be, you know, kind of reading the sun and the star and, all, you know, um, at, at lunchtime. And I've, I've got the Dalton for business paper, <laughs> which is really odd. I just desperately wanted to have my own business. I wanted to create something. I wanted to, um, you, know, you know, go through that process of, of, of setting something up that was was mine and building it and I, that really I found that really attractive um so yeah I was an electrician for a while and then in 2008 when everyone was made redundant I went into running pubs and I did that for a few years um country big country pubs with you know rooms and B&Bs and food and things like that now that, that was just the most incredible learning curve ever in my life I mean one one I've never worked so hard I've never made so little money <laughs> doing it, <laughs> uh, but it, it, but the, what you pick up is just insane. You know, you'll have chefs walking out on a before New Year's Eve banquet, and you have wow. to do it yourself, and kind of then you know the the entertainment for the night didn't turn up, so you you'd have to get a microphone and do a turn and, <laughs> <laughs> and all those sorts of things. Um, so anyway, that that, that the, the, I, I did that for a while, and then. In uh, in in 2011, I set up an electrical contracting firm, um, and uh, you know we went, we're doing all right. We went setting the world on fire. Uh, I had a couple of guys working for us, and uh, one of them being Anthony, uh, who's been my business partner for the last ten years. And yeah. Anthony started my my business partner for the last ten years. Anthony, um, we started looking at other alternatives. Everyone was into solar at the time and PV, uh, and I wanted to do something different, uh, something of the opposite. And uh, we came across an article about electric vehicles. And this was back in the day where uh, electric vehicles weren't really sexy. It was pre-Tesla. You know, it was it was seen as a bit, of, a, a bit weird. Um, but we could see that there was a real need for it and it would definitely come in. And we were right at the start and we put the, the second charge point in the UK on the on the government's home charge grant, which was which was fundamental in getting things moving. Yeah. So we, we did that and then we, we just cracked on from there. Basically, we set up, we, we built a, an office in a, an old barn in Burnerfield um, and we, we kind of, you know, put a bit of carpet there, painted the walls and, we, and it, it, it looked all right on the inside. It was like a film set. Uh, but on the outside, it was kind of, you know, it was all farm equipment, and machinery and things like that. So it, it, it was a starting point anyway. Yeah, yeah. We, we, and then we kicked on from there, really. We, we, we started working with uh, some local authorities and a few businesses locally in the northeast. And then that progressed eventually to, um, to, to wider down in Manchester and then through Bristol and we're picking up more and more contracts and especially the NHS, the, the, those guys all speak to each other. Um, obviously trying to find out who does a good job and who would you recommend and who did your installations, et cetera, et cetera. And it just kind of rolled from there. And now we're at the point where 
we work with uh, with Asda and uh, FedEx and BMW and just just the biggest companies in the UK, which is which is incredible. This fantastic position. Yeah, it's been an incredible journey, Dan. And I know you mentioned that you know you initially trained as an electrician. Uh, yes. Obviously, when you were first starting out, and and is that how you met Anthony as well? Because he also trained as an electrician back when you guys were like sort of sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, I met him at the bus stop on my first day of college. So when we 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 I turned up at the the bus stop in in concerts on the way to the Durham College, and uh, and yeah, he was he was there, and we had a we had a bit crack, and we we hit it off straight away. Yeah. He's a good guy. Uh, he's very different to me. So we're, we're totally different people. Um, he's very detail oriented. He's very technical. Um, I, I think it's fair to say he's not. He's not a massive kind of outwardly um, people person. He prefers one to one. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm quite different. I'm I'm a, a bit of a different character to him. But I think the two personalities blend really well. Yeah. If we had two of him, we wouldn't have a business. If we had two of me, definitely wouldn't have a business. <laughs> um, we, it's only worked because uh, I've I've pushed and he's pulled a little bit, and we, we've managed to get that balance. Yeah, and 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 was it kind of expected, Dan, when you were growing up as well, that you know you would get a trade, and and you know perhaps even though you were interested in starting a business, mm. that wasn't really kind of encouraged. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I'm from a very Working class background. Um, I grew up in Rolling Skill. I went to the local comprehensive, which was uh, a term at the School of Hard Knocks. Definitely, um, it was the the guy, the lads got a trade. I mean, a trade it was was the absolute. You know, the, the it was the best possible start. I think really for for the type of environment that I came from. We it was before everyone had the opportunity to really go to university. You know, I didn't have great grades. I was a bit of a dreamer. I wasn't really interested in school, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it just didn't it didn't fit. It, I found it incredibly boring. I was always bored in school and and I, I just wanted to do things and and create things and and I just found that a little a bit restrictive. Um, so I didn't have the the qualifications to to move through to uh, uni or or anything. It was actually my sister that went to the uni and I, I managed to get an apprenticeship, which was a good start, a great start, really. I didn't have the grades, to be honest, to to uh, to get the apprenticeship that I wanted to, but I managed to talk my way into it with yeah. the, uh, the employer at the time, which I'm pleased to <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's how we, we managed to get on. Yeah. And did, did you sort of enjoy, um, you know, working your way through that sort of um, learning a trade and, and, and getting those? I mean, obviously, I'm, I imagine some of those skills, those kind of um, electrical skills have served you really well um, throughout all of this journey with electronics and everything else. But, yeah. uh, you know, did you enjoy it at the time or was there always that kind of yearning for, um, you know, wanting to kind of be your own boss? Run your own, run your own business. Did that? Could you never really sort of get away from what you really wanted to do? I think it, it trades an unbelievable foundation because it, what it gives you is it gives you a a base level to work away from. And I think certainly when you you, you know 18, 19, 20, you don't necessarily know what you want to do. You certainly you don't really know how to harness it. Um, 
so but there's there was definitely a kind of a yearning there or a, a you know a, a, a want i just didn't know what it was and and it, it, it's a, it's a hard thing to, to kind of describe certainly a trades like i say is a good a good starting point uh, to work away from definitely yeah yeah and then obviously so you were working for um a kind of electrical contracting business 2008 happens um mm. Obviously, that, that that means that everyone just kind of seems to have lost their jobs around that time. So, um, Pretty were, much, you, yeah. were you kind of scratching your head, or, or how did you how did you sort of deal with obviously that kind of redundancy, and and then you moved into the pub trade after that? Is that right? Yeah. So, I I had a job within two hours of being made redundant, and no, I'm not boasting. I just simply picked the phone up, had a a, a couple of calls, and managed to to get. It start somewhere um i was there a few months uh and then you know that that led on to um you know something else and then uh that i just really kind of lost i think i lost passion a bit with regards to the the the, the trade i was doing at the time mm. and that actually i used the redundancy money to spark off the first business so i think mean, i got uh, a few thousand pounds and, and uh, we kicked off the, the first business which was uh, a pub we yeah. got into and that that was that was the first starting point yeah and how did that go Dan because it, it, it was uh, it was quite a, like you say it was quite a steep learning curve right that first business yeah yeah uh, horrendously <laughs> uh, it, 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 like I say it was the hardest I've ever worked literally from you know seven o'clock in the morning when you pull your pants on uh, and go and do the cleaning and do right through till you know two o'clock in the morning when you take your pants off and you're absolutely shattered and fall into bed and it was seven days a week you know wow. um and it, but in it, in it we didn't make any money we lost the money which we you know despite trying and trying we couldn't make it work and that that was really really tough um you know it effectively the the stress of that um, you know, ended my first marriage, and you know, when marriage fell down because we couldn't, we couldn't make that work, and and you know, created a lot of stress. So, yeah, it it, it was a it it wasn't great, but at the same time, we le- you know, I learned so much and so much about business, but about myself as well. You know, what was I capable of? Where where you know, what were my boundaries? How far can I push? Um, you know all of these things that you don't really know until you're in that situation. So yeah. it was it was an extreme learning curve, put it that way. Yeah, and and then sort of what happened next? Obviously, after the the pub wasn't successful, yeah. how did you how did you sort of pull yourself <laughs> pull yourself back from what was probably a, a bit of a a kind of crushing uh, moment? It, it, yeah, it, it was a, it certainly was. I mean, I was really left with nothing. The business went bust. I went bust. It was. It was just an awful situation. Um, you know, my marriage broke down. All of those things, it was a real kitchen floor reset moment, to be honest. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, so what I did is I got a job up in Northumberland running a, a pub on a, uh, um, on a caravan park. And it was a big, big caravan park. And caravan park. And I was doing the entertainment, like I say, I was doing the entertainment, the cooking. I had a staff of about, you know, 20 staff. And it was, and I was living in a caravan. It was literally 
one of the best times of my life. I'll be honest. It was just fantastic. It was like it it was it was just so fast paced and exciting, and you know, um, and I did that for about a year and a half. It was it was it was good, and it was kind of you know I was fit. I was running every day, and I, I just. I was just a, it gave us a time to to reset and, and rethink. Yeah. Um, but and then eventually um I met I met Susie who's uh, uh who I'm married to, my uh, my my wife now. Yeah. And it, that lifestyle didn't really fit um, you know, being in a relationship. So after a few months, um I, I left there and started up um as a as a as electrician, so I set up an electrical firm. And it, that was that was really different for me because I'd been employed as an electrician and then I went to work in pubs, which is a very one-to-one environment. I was doing lots of events and things like that. And and I was quite good at organization and I found I was really good at management. Yeah. But then but then when I set up, I remember the first day that I set up was electrician. I went around um, putting the leaflets in everyone's doors. You know, I put out, I had like 10,000 leaflets printed and wow. I was literally going out just trying to start to start a business from scratch, um, as so many people do. And, you know, the, it's the, the, it's all start, it starts with that first business, starts with that first leaflet, starts with our first customer. I remember the, the first day that I went out, I saw a, a customer's, someone's light was on full all the time i literally wrote on a piece of paper your lights on all the time can i can i fix it for you this is my number and and it it was just the hustle and i started with nothing like i had a few hundred quid i bought a van i lent some money you know thousand pound or whatever to buy a van and and just kind of kicked on from there and it was yeah and that that was i remember actually sitting down and having to make call calls to people so like schools and i wanted to be more commercial yeah um so I, and that was really uncomfortable i've never done that before and i had to push myself right out of my comfort zone and people that know me now see me as uh, i guess is quite you know outgoing and quite confident but at the time it was it was incredibly tough uh, but that's that's yeah, it's just all part of the, the story, and that's where it really kicked off. You, you sort of knew that that was something, you know, making those cold calls. That was something that you had to do um, if you wanted that business to to be successful. Because I guess when you you know when you're running your own business, Dan, um, the book stops with you, doesn't it? So I guess you have to you have to do things that, that make you uncomfortable, don't you? Or else it, it won't survive. Hundred hundred percent. Every single day, you got to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And that, if that might be just picking a phone up and speaking to a prospective customer, or it might be speaking to an investor and, you know, giving some hard news, it might be, you know, letting a member of staff go or something. You have to do these tough things on the in the journey. And, um, and, and you, unless you're doing this on a day-to-day basis, you're not moving forward. You just stagnate. You'll stay still. Um, so you constantly have to be pushed out of your comfort zone. I, I believe, anyway. Yeah, and um, so following that, Dan, is that when you linked back up with with Anthony, and you, that was when you kind of started thinking more about electric vehicles uh, rather than just being a, a sort of a general electrician. Uh, you started yeah. thinking about doing something a bit more um, sort of future facing. Would you say? 
Yeah, well, well, what happened was I was working. I was working in the Cotswolds doing a, uh, an extension on a school in the company that I was working for, so contracting for uh, two went bust, and um, I was owed quite a bit of money. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm just not really getting any further here. You know, I've just lost twelve grand or whatever. Um, you know, for a few months' work, and it, it was just I thought I'm, I'm not moving forward. Um, and then that's when I started really looking, thinking, okay, then let's let's look at is there another area? Is there something that's up and coming that I can kind of get involved with? And and that's that's kind of where that, that thought process came from. And I started looking into solar and everyone was doing it at that point. It was a real kind of buzz time for, for that. Um and the market was saturated to a degree and I didn't really want to go head to head with every other electrical firm in the Northeast. So yeah, coming across, so just looking for something else, I think. And, and the electric, like I say, EVs now are absolutely everywhere. It's, it's every, all anyone talks about, you know, Tesla yeah. and, and all these, well, you know, all these battery plants and everything else. But at the time it was, it, it, we were literally trying to convince people to that electric cars were the way forward, and it was it was just ridiculed. Um, so it, it, we were very early on, and it took a lot of a lot of uh, go to actually get it rolling. Yeah, yeah. So people, you know, when you first started on this, people were thinking, "Oh, electric vehicles will never catch on." It was like those kinds of conversations yeah. you were having. Definitely, hundred percent. It was just, it was more. A bit of a box ticking exercise, to be honest. Um, a lot of our customers were public sector clients that had to do this. They they had a uh, they were they were they were told to do it, and they were given a, a, a targets to hit. Um, to to be fair, we had some really pioneering customers that really grabbed it straight away and ran with it because they thought we're going to do it. We're going to have to do, we're going to do it properly, and we're going to do it with gusto. And they also, there's a bit of a competitive spirit as well. So if one NHS trusts doing it, you know, the other one wants to do it a bit better and then you get some councils and they were the same. Uh, I think it's like anything, if you if you get customers within a sector that champion it, they get behind it, it makes it much easier and it'll roll much faster. And that's that's what we found. We had some really key keep um customers that really helped us to grow our business they were almost part of the team to be honest yeah i I guess that that kind of attention focus on the kind of commercial um sort of business uh clients was was critical wasn't it dan because when you first started this like consumers yeah that they they were skeptical about EV adoption and, and and whether people would be moving to, I mean, it seems obvious now that, you know, I think everyone's next car or the car after that will be, it'll be electric pretty much, won't it? You know, that's the way the industry's yeah. going. But I mean, so when, when did Elmtronics start? I mean, this, this was, this was not that long ago that people thought, you know, it's been so rapid that the, the way that this uh, electric vehicle mm-hmm. uh, revolutions kicked off. Well, what we had it was actually our first company in 2013 was called Elm EV. Okay. And Elm EV, we, uh, we we did really well. We we went from nothing really, uh, you know, like 600 quid a van, a laptop, um, and it to 400,000 pounds in the first year. Wow. And through, through domestic installations and from a standstill. But with that as well, 
we made major mistakes in the fact that we built a business on a grant. Uh, the grant was there and, and we kind of, we used that to, to build a business. But obviously what generally happens with grants, and we didn't know this at the time naively, is when a grant's pulled, you, you've got to adjust the business to suit. And we didn't react quick enough. We built up the yeah. business. We had electricians and vans and staff. And and um, and the grant was reduced pretty much overnight. And we we really struggled. And eventually in the late 2015, early 2016, we had to throw the towel in with that company. Um, and, and effectively, um, it became insolvent and, and we had to wrap it up. And that was the most painful, one of the most painful things I've ever been through. It was, it was humiliating and, you know, tough and, yeah. and embarrassing. What, what was, what was sort like of more, yeah, what, what was, what was kind of more, obviously, cause there'd been, you know, the, obviously the, the, the knock that you'd had through the, the pub trade. Um, obviously the the electrical business way, you know, you were doing all of that yeah. work down south and then the person you were working for went bust and, and, and you, you know, you'd sort of spent all this money and time and then didn't get paid. And then, you know, what what made the LMEV sort of one kind of more painful? Was it because you knew that there was a successful business there um, did, or you'd had we, success? Yeah. We Because we built traction with some fantastic customers and mm. we were so at the start of the journey. We were literally, I mean, we fell over just with three steps into the race. And that that's, it was just so frustrating. Um, and, you know, we put everything into it, heart and soul, everything that we had. We were paying myself next to nothing. Yeah. We were putting it all back into the business. And, and to have it just kind of fall away was, was soul destroying. Um, and we had a choice. You know, we either went and got a job somewhere and, you know, just kind of, went our separate ways or actually we took all of the learnings, um, all of the experience that we had, um, you know, the customers that we built up and, and we start again. Um, and I know, you know, there's a huge amount of stigma around some a company that's been bust and then starting up again. And, and uh, you know, we had, a, and, and that wasn't just from perception from outside. It was us as well. We were, we were kind of, yeah, you were no, feeling we just demoralised as we, well, right? We didn't, we yeah, we didn't want to be perceived as one of those companies that you know stopped and started and changed their name and then became something else. And then, and, and you know, we weren't that type of we we genuinely weren't that type of company. And and we 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 we, we cra- basically crashed and we we um, started again um, as Altronics and we decided to do it right. We did it in the right way. We got a financial director in Paul Lancaster, um, who was just unbelievable, a career um, FD. And, you know, he came to work with uh, me and Anthony and the few staff that we had and, and just really helped us from day one to do it properly and do it in the right way. Um, you know, when I speak to companies that are starting up, on, you know, on that growth journey, yeah, I always say get someone with a really good finance head on because it will be the best investment you ever make, without a doubt, uh, because they can see in the future. The really kind, a good financial person can see six, seven months down the line where you know a business owner tends to tends to really, from a financial perspective, see you know almost week to week. Um, so they, they really helped us, uh, helped us out there. Yeah. Cause you know, you're just involved with the kind of day to day running of the business, right. And obviously 
you know, living very much in, in the present and in the moment. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. 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 And it's in it and that so so that was a major um thing that we did. Another thing is we 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 got a we we set up an in-house marketing um team or a person to start with and a and a designer. Yeah. yeah so we had a couple of guys. Now that was massive because what it did is it let us be reactive and um and and, and we did a lot of things quickly. And we got a really good level of marketing and pushed it out there. And we were a little bit guerrilla as well, which was which was important because when you're going up against, um, you know, big companies, you need that. You need to stand out. You need to be a bit edgy and not just copy what everyone else is doing. In fact, do the opposite. Try and be unique because that's the only way you get you stand out from the, the from from the crowd. Um. So that that was another thing that we we did really well the second time round with Altronics, um, and once we had that that kind of rolling, we built on the reputation because we did have a really good reputation as LMV. Uh, we built on that reputation and just did things in the right way and and more sustainably, uh, and that's that's uh, how we we really kicked on. Yeah, and and did a lot of the clients that that you'd you'd worked with at LMEV sort of come back as well when you came back as Elmtronics, this kind of revitalized uh, business yeah. as well. Hundred percent, Yeah. hundred percent. Um, all, all, all customers, what, what I've found is customers want good service. They don't really, they're not, not so bothered which names above the door, what, you know, what stickers on this or that. It's about people. It's about what, how can you help them? How can you guide them? You know, and our customers were just absolutely incredible. They, you know, they were, you know, very understanding and and really supported us. And um, and we wouldn't, we couldn't have done it without them. So they they were really, really uh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it, it's probably worth just sort of defining, you know, what what Elmtronics is and 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 what you guys do. So can you just obviously mm-hmm. give a bit of a kind of a elevator pitch, I guess, of of the company, of the company <laughs> yeah. as it is today. Of course. So, so Elmtronics, we founded it, it was in 2016. Um, what we do is we build charging infrastructure. We provide EV charging infrastructure and solutions to fleet workplace uh, customers across the UK. So that's hardware, software, installation services, maintenance, basically one-stop shop for electric vehicle charging. And that's uh, that's what we do, and we work uh, both in the public and the private sector uh, with uh, some of the largest uh, organisations in the UK, such as the London Ambulance Service, um, mm. Northeast NHS Trust. Uh, we work with over forty different NHS trusts around the UK, um, and uh, a lot of different companies and organisations, um, including Octopus and um, uh, Octopus Energy, uh, who we we provide. Uh, installation services for so we we basically just try and look after the customer and make sure that they they've got the the best possible uh, service because this is a new uncharted territory for so many organizations and they want to get it right they don't want to get it wrong and then have to go back and you know try again if we can get it right in the first place and it just makes life a lot easier um, and ultimately gets more people into electric cars, which is what this is all about. Yeah. And it's, there's a big emphasis on sort of smart uh, 
EV charging as well is in the is in the Dan. So can you just talk yeah. through a bit of the kind of um, I guess the technology um, and the the sort of software because you guys have sort of built some of this out, haven't you? Really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, EV chargers aren't just a plug on the wall. The the, the, the only way that we can build a sustainable um, and ch- charging infrastructure around the UK and to charge millions and millions of cars is to manage the power. In a in an intelligent way, so the, the we've got plenty of power in the UK. We're not going to run out of, of power, and we can charge all the electric cars. But we, if every car is plugged in at six thirty PM in the UK, and we've got and all pulling, you know, all this power, then we do have an issue. So that I, the, what we, what the government and what we've done as a as a industry, and we've lobbied and spoke to the government about and tried to steer this is to make sure that chargers are smart and they use energy at the right time. Um, and so, and we've almost built that future-proofing into charging as a whole, uh, both for home and workplaces and, and on, on roads, where we can manage, the, we can help the national grid manage the power being delivered to chargers uh, to make sure that we're not overloading it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the 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 grid issues around obviously when when the um you know the majority or or, or even I guess half of the mm. uh, of the motorists on the roads are, are using electric vehicles. Obviously, the the, the the sort of grid capacity has been one issue that's that's sort of been mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just wanted to come back to uh, the agreement with with Octopus Energy, and obviously we're going to talk about the the, the deal with with Mer as well. But mm-hmm. um, just on the Octopus Energy sort of agreement first, so um, can you just tell me a little bit more about that and a little bit more about um, Octopus? Obviously, they're like a kind of household name now for, for for sort of energy and utilities, but also you know really have a growing reputation in the kind of EV space too, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Octopus, as, as most people will know, Octopus Energy are the lead disrupting um, energy company in the UK. Um, they, they've really just exploded in the fact that they've concentrated on clean energy. Um, they, they've moved into other territories. They've been extremely um, successful in, in creating easy and and simple and straightforward energy products for customers uh, in a fun, engaging way. And we we first started speaking to Octopus about a year and a half ago uh, about, you know, about a potential partnership. And those guys just blew us away with the type of culture that they had. Uh, they, they, we obviously went to see them and, you know, we got to know them quite well. And and they were so similar to us in the fact that they they, they, they they didn't take themselves too seriously. They actually they were quite um, innovative in how they approached the market. Uh, and and I think, you know, traditionally energy companies were quite corporate, these huge megalomoth kind of uh, big six companies that were at times, I'll be honest, a little bit out of touch with, with the uh, customer. And... Yeah. And 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 it, they were really marketing themselves as these these colossal entities, and I think Octopus just got down on level with the customer and and made it simple and made it fun, 
and and they've they've been hugely successful because of that. So obviously we started speaking to them quite a while ago, and yeah. they they they've just done some they, they've done some incredible deals uh, with with certain companies in that they they are supplying energy and uh, and solar and and you know clean products and and everything else. And what they wanted to do was wrap in really good, reliable. Um, charging hardware and software into that as well. Okay, and 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 that's where we we came in and we started working with them. We've done a lot of of, of kind of um, customer analysis and how can we make it really simple for them uh, and and straightforward. And it's worked really well. And, and we've just announced that we we've partnered in the last month or so. Uh, and yeah, so we're we're extremely excited. And it's a really good pair up of two really good British startup companies coming together to uh, to provide something a little bit special. Yeah, yeah, and obviously Octopus uh, has has been receiving absolutely tons of of investment at the moment. Um, and obviously, you know, you guys at Elmtronics have, have had a bit of that as well, right? So obviously, mm-hmm. the big news. I think it was um, was it January was it January this year that you, that you, or, or yeah. was it yeah yeah when it first and, sort of broke this uh, yeah. story about the the so you've the, so the you've job. been acquired right? You've been acquired by by Mer. We have yes yeah. So we 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 announced it on the fifth of of January. Uh, I think it was. It was around about that time, maybe yeah, a couple yeah. of days after. Anyway, yeah. So we were we were looking. Obviously, we are a, a fast-growing company, and we have been through a couple of investment cycles where, in order to grow with the market sustainably, and we've brought in investment. So we were going through a second round of investment, basically, and we went out to the market um, to raise money in order to employ more people yeah. and to, you know, basically grow the business. And we, we, we got in touch. We, we were approached by quite a few companies actually, um, which was a quite interesting uh, about, about, you know, potentially buying us, which wasn't something that we thought of at the time, to be honest. We, yeah. We didn't. You just thought you would get some more that. investment in. We thought we'd get some more money in and, you know, crack on, but it was quite interesting. We weren't really interested, to be honest, to start with until we never approached us. And yeah. we've obviously talked about this, me and Anthony, in the past, about what type of company, if we were ever acquired, that we want to work with. And what was incredibly important, important to us was that that company was ethical and they had to share the same values as us. And it had the same similar culture as us as well. That was a, the, the, those things were really important, um, and yeah. that they supported our business plan. And and you know everyone was all the staff were were were, were encouraged and, and pushed, and we employed more people and everything else, um, and did more of what we were doing. So we started speaking to the guys and we were just really impressed by what they were about. I mean, Smer are a charging company, a European charging company that's owned by a company called Statkraft. And Statkraft are the national grid of Norway, so they're owned by the Norwegian government. Okay. Um, so we, we've went from this, this uh, you know, little startup in, based out of the Northeast and, uh, you know, being, being eventually bought out by one of the, the, the biggest clean energy companies in the world, which is just insane. 
absolutely yeah. insane. How do I, I just want to? I just want to. So obviously, Dan, it's been like an incredible journey for you, right? Like, how does that feel to have you know had so many bumps in the road with all the various businesses that you've run, and then yeah, yeah now to be in that position where you're being taken over by one of the largest renewable energy producers. Uh, in the world like how does that feel it must be it must be a little bit surreal is it not it is it, i think that's the word to be honest is surreal it is it is it's kind of i feel an immense sense of pride i feel you know that it's it's quite a satisfying feeling in the fact that this this feels like a another chapter in the story it's you know we, we, we've we've closed the chapter but we've got a you know we, we, we're certainly not going away we've got a um you know we're press me and anthony are staying in place to to press on with the business and we just to have that support it's just been uh, fantastic but yeah it's odd i mean you know i'll be honest with you the we're, we're moving to Mer, um as a brand so obviously with the brand that we've built over the years is not coming with us this yeah. is, you know, I'll be, I'll be a liar if I said there wasn't a slight sense of sadness there, um, you know, but the, it, what we are is becoming much bigger. We, you know, we've got far more capital behind us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we don't necessarily, we don't have to do that scraping and scratching that we've done in the past as you do when you start a business, and, you know, that kind of hand to mouth. Yeah. Um, we can actually crack on with the business and, and, you know, not and, and and not effectively have as many stresses and strains that we've had in the in in the past, but but just create something really special. Basically, we've done a really good job in the UK, and, and we can press on and, and and do more. So yeah, yeah, it's it's an exciting time. Um, you know, mixed emotions and uh, you know, amazing sense of achievement. I think is 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 where how we feel. No, of course, it it must be pretty special. I think. Um... You know, but there will always be that kind of, um, you know, trade-off, I guess, with obviously the the brand you've built over the years, um, mm-hmm. obviously kind of leaving that behind. But with the security and the opportunity that comes with with being acquired by such a a well-resourced uh, partner, it, you know, must be must be amazing as well. So, what what will it mean yeah. for kind of day to day? Um, running of the business then, Dan. So you're, you and the team are still going to be in, in, in post, but obviously you're going to expand uh, the team in, in, in various uh, different areas. Yeah, so effectively the only thing that changes is the sign above the door. Okay. We are the same company. It's run by the same management team. Um, everyone stays in place and we, have the, we are cracking on with the expansion plans. So we're bringing another... 25 plus people into the business over the next few months. Um, and obviously that, 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 that grows year on year on year. Uh, we've just uh, brought on a huge warehouse up in, up in the Northeast that we're, we're going to stock, stock to the ceiling with charges for all our, all our customers. And, uh, and we've, we're just getting some more office space as well, which means that uh, we can bring in, bring in more guys. If, if they, if they want to work from home, they want to work here. And uh, that, that's fine. So we, we're, we're just kind of doing all the stuff that we're doing and just do, but but we are part of a bigger group which is really exciting also now because we have colleagues in in norway and sweden uh, you know across germany yeah. austria uh, it means that we can do a, a, an awful lot more for our customers as well so if we've got a big customer that is european wide we can service them 
you know, in every country, which just brings an awful lot more more uh, meat to the bone, if you like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, the, the next question I had for you was kind of how you're feeling about the future. And obviously for, for you and, and the company, I imagine pretty, pretty positive. Um, but I guess in terms of like the wider kind of debate at the moment around like electric vehicles, you know, um, how are you feeling about that, you know, I think in terms of like EV adoption, do you think that, you know, people will continue to um, adopt this at, at pace in the way that they have in the last couple of years? Um, do you think the infrastructure is is there yet? Obviously, you guys are, are going to be a key part in, in making sure that it is. Um, and then, you know, the, obviously there's that the grid issues and, and, and stuff that, that people have mentioned. Um, yep. But yeah, how are you sort of feeling? What are your thoughts about the state of this kind of electric vehicle revolution at the moment. Yeah, it's it's not going to go away. It's not going away. In the, in it's it's just gathering more and more pace. If anything, I think the only stall at the moment is availability of the vehicles. Some vehicles aren't available for twelve months plus, and it's just down to demand. Supply they can't build vehicles quick enough to meet the the demand at this moment in time. Um and, and that's probably the only the only real issue. The infrastructure, yes, it does need work. It needs expanding out. It needs more investment. But it's it's like anything, the more electric vehicles that are on the road, the more infrastructure that will be put in place because it's a more viable investment case. And that's all it boils down to. The wider the wider infrastructure across the UK needs private sector investment billions pumping into it and the more vehicles that go on the road the more money will be spent on that so it's 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 coming without a shadow of a doubt it's and it'll it'll find its way if you like the um the, the wider transports kind of piece i mean you know trains planes heavy haulage ships i think there's other technologies that'll play a part in that it's, yeah, it, 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 you know that may be hydrogen, it may be other um, biofuels or, or you know uh, methods and technologies, um, but certainly for cars and and light transport, the electrics, it's yeah, it's 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 growing, it's evolving uh, more than a lot of people think as well because a lot of the vehicles you can't even tell they are electric, so you know they don't have to have a strange shape or a. Um, or be a new model. A lot of existing vehicles are, are being adapted, so it's coming. It's coming to pace, and it's definitely not going away. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's coming. Yeah, I I think you're right to to point out that the issue is not really on the demand side anymore. It's on the supply side, right? Which is which is obviously something that's affecting other sectors as well, but particularly. EVs, I think maybe the, mm. the 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 sort of automotive industry has been taken a little bit unawares at how fast uh, consumers want to move towards electric cars, and I, I think be, I think that's because they've became uh, a little bit more accessible. You know, I know Octopus yeah. obviously has like salary sacrifice uh, sort of schemes that the loads that, of companies do now. Yeah, yeah, loads of companies have the salary sacrifice schemes, but also I I, I think it'll grow. A lot quicker within uh, cities, within urban areas, because the the range, you know, people don't necessarily do five hundred miles a day. 
Yeah. Um, obviously, longer range vehicles, uh, the longer range and um, distances, then then they're probably going to be the last ones to to convert. But certainly, you know, companies, delivery companies, do you think DPD, FedEx, and you know all those types of guys and, and taxi firms, any anything where you're working within a locality, then it makes absolute sense, definitely. And plus, there's so many, um, so many kind of incentives to move away from traditional uh, ice vehicles you know, like congestion zones and of course, yeah. and taxes and everything else. And to be honest, they'll probably be squeezed. You know, it'll be so expensive to run a diesel in the, in, in in three or four years' time. That it, it, people really, rightly or wrongly, won't have a, much of a choice. It's uh, But the key is, is trying to get the electric ve- the cost of the electric vehicles down to a similar level of uh, uh, petrol or diesel alternative. That's the key. Definitely. Yeah. And and these sort of salary sacrifice schemes and things like that are obviously a key a key part of that. Um in terms of like the range sort of uh side of things, Dan, like do you think that obviously the technology's come on so much in terms of now I think you can get sort of 80% charge in 20 minutes at some of these rapid um sort of rapid speed charging points. Mm-hmm. Do you think it can go even further to the point where maybe in I don't know how close in the future, but maybe in the future where it's literally the same as going to uh, a petrol station in terms of the time it takes to charge the vehicle. Yeah. Do you think we can get yeah. to that point with the technology? We can get there. I mean, we, we, we've currently got 350 kilowatt charges. That realistically will charge a battery in about 15 to 20 minutes. Now we can go even faster than that. The, the challenge is with electric is keeping it cool. So it's yeah. actually cooling the cables down so we can pump um, you know, coolant around the cable, almost like an umbilical. Okay. Uh, the the other the, the other technologies that are being explored are things like liquid nitrogen and things like that to get the cable as cool as possible. But that's that's the main issue, to be honest. From what I I understand, uh, the, the the batteries. It's there's a bit of debate around you know how batteries cope with being charges such a, a fast rate as well and, and there's probably limit safety limitations with how far fast you can get energy into a battery yeah um, you know it's not not just a flash thing where you can kind of flash it in um it needs to be delivered in a in a safe and controlled way uh i'm not a battery expert but i you know there's certainly there's a lot of research going into that as well yeah the, the industry will push because it's all about you know, in, in a world of Amazon and one click and, you know, convenience and drive-throughs and everything else, it, 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 we're all about convenience. So the quicker we can charge a vehicle, the better. And that's one, that's the utopia for a lot of technology companies is, is trying to make it quick because they love the jump over everyone else. Yeah, yeah. I think a good analogy would probably be, um, you know, you could charge the car instantly if it was struck by lightning but <laughs> but but you would sort of fry the car in the process right so like it's not yeah. like it's not that it's not that the um electricity is 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 the issue right it's it's more like how do you um inject such a a, a large amount of, of of energy into something um in without a, damaging it control manner yeah exactly okay. yeah and, okay. and, and yeah and there's a lot of science behind that you know battery technology and and getting as as many cycles out as well uh, of the battery you want that battery to last you know 20 years 
So you yeah. don't want it, you you don't want it lasting five years because you've uh, you've you've charged it too quickly, I guess. But there's there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of debate around that and how that works. So we'll, we'll you know yeah, of course, come. of course, because such a key part of this, Dan, is sustainability, right? So you know we want to be in a position where obviously you know versus burning fossil fuels, there's already an enormous gain there, but we don't want to be sort of creating other kinds of environmental issues, right? When we when we yeah. make this transition, yeah, I mean we've got to keep an eye on you know what it's all about, you know what, yeah, it it, it boils down to you know doing building a sustainable transport system, yeah, and and that's that's you know got to remain the, the core focus really. Yeah. Okay. So just to just before we finish off, uh, Dan, just a couple of sort of quick ones, really. Um, obviously, you know, you've you've been sort of in business for, for for quite a long time now. You've been an entrepreneur for a long time. Um, what have you learned? You know, what 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 is maybe one or two things that you've learned about kind of what mm. it takes to to be an entrepreneur today? Yeah. Um. The the main one. The main one I would say is is persistence, and that's that's a unique trait of an entrepreneur, and that's not giving up. You know, when everyone else has has given up and gone home, you keep at it, and you get kicked, you get thrown off the horse, you get back on it, and it happens again, you get back on it, and and you've got to have a thick skin, you've got to be resilient. It's it's incredibly important. That's that's a unique trait of an entrepreneur, I believe. Yeah, uh, it's 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 and, and it's not often something you can learn. It's it's a character trait, uh, but but you know persistence is incredibly important. The other thing I would say is is and it seems really simple, but is to treat everyone the way that you would want to be treated, and that doesn't matter who it is. If it's a CEO, or king, or, you know. A, office worker what you know street cleaner treat everyone at the same the same level of respect uh, because you know that that's that, that's that's basically how I get through life I think it's a really important thing um yeah it's, and it works really well because it's, it's karma <laughs> yeah um that that's another thing I mean there's so many things I've learned over the years to be honest uh, it's it's um I could write a book. Yeah, I yeah. think you. I think you perhaps should do that, Dan. Just, just putting mm, it out there. Maybe, so maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously, when you're not, obviously, you know, when you're not having these major sort of uh, mergers yeah. and acquisitions and stuff, you might be able to find the time yeah. to do that. Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, surely, surely one day, definitely. Yeah. So, so Dan, where can people sort of get hold of you and 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 obviously learn a little bit more about the business? What's the best way to kind of reach you and and to, yes. and to learn about Albumtronics? So we do a lot on LinkedIn. Um, so we can do we do a, a lot on LinkedIn. You know, I'm on LinkedIn a lot as well. Um, we try to put you know quite a bit out there. Um, we're gonna we're gonna start as well some business blogs on there just to to hopefully give uh, people that are getting into business or growing their business just a little bit of insight of, of what what I've learned. Yeah. And uh, and I'll be doing some of that over the summer as well so you know little snippets and tidbits um and, and and so forth obviously we've got the website and everything else but uh but but that to be honest linkedin seems to be our our main platform that's how we get 
the message, aren't they? Yeah, I think it, it it is so good for for kind of sharing advice and, and, and things like that. And I know that um, you know people who hear this conversation, Dan as well, will will definitely want to to learn more about about you yeah. and 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 and, you, and the business and everything. So I think those business blogs that you're planning on doing will be really well received. Um, fantastic, fantastic. So yeah, th- thanks so much, Dan, for for coming on the podcast and good luck with with everything in, in the weeks and months ahead. And obviously the rebrand to. To, to Mer and uh, I'll definitely be keeping a, a keen eye on what, on what you and the team are doing so thanks so much no thank you so much thanks Richard cheers cheers been fantastic thanks well there you go that was Dan Martin there recounting his fascinating journey in business uh, all of the ups and downs of the various different ventures he's been involved with and happily the success of Elmtronics and all of the exciting opportunities that the business has to come with him at the helm. So straight off the bat, I really appreciated Dan's honesty about the realities of entrepreneurship or running a business. You know, I think the notion of being your own boss is something that probably appeals to all of us. But in reality, I think working for yourself can often be very different. Dan's been involved in various businesses since 2008, but it's only really in the last few years that he started to reap the rewards of that, which of course is is testament to his kind of persistence and self-belief. And I think that's one of the key takeaways from this conversation. What Dan's example shows is that one of the most important things an entrepreneur needs to have is an ability to stay in the fight You know, if Dan had just taken a normal job working for somebody else nine to five when his company LMEV folded, which I'm sure is something that he considered at the time, he would never be in the position that he's in today with Elmtronics. So that's a really important lesson there. The second thing to think about is this idea of stepping out of your comfort zone, which is something I know all of us know that we should be doing more of but obviously it can be difficult with the lives that we lead to carve out that space to step out of your comfort zone from dan's perspective obviously it's it's been absolutely critical this idea of stepping out of your comfort zone to his own personal growth and to the growth aspirations that he's got for his business so i think that's something to consider you know If you want to move forward in life, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So yeah, thanks again to Dan for sharing his story and hopefully providing a little bit of inspiration to any business owners out there who are having a tough time right now who need a little bit of reassurance. I think this conversation definitely does that. So yeah, thanks again to Dan and thanks everybody for listening. (laughs) 